guys. I'm Chris, and Jake's not here, but welcome to Overcrest. So I'm on vacation. I'm not actually vacation. I'm working on a working on something for Delta Airlines uh, photography stuff. So I'm not I'm not here. And we're gonna give Jake the week off. But what I wanted to do is kind of rewind and touch back on episode two. So it hasn't been on iTunes for a long time. It hasn't been on the on the Podbean or the website or anything like that. So what I want to do is uh, is re-release this for you guys. It's there, there's a lot of great stories, and uh, it kind of gives you a backstory on some of the stuff um, I did a long time ago. And there's also a really, really great story by Glenn. So uh, here you go, guys. I hope you enjoy the throwback. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Overcrest. This is Season 1, Episode 2. Today on the podcast, I've got Auto Illustrated creator Glenn Cordell. What's up, Glenn? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me, everyone. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about Glenn. I want to introduce him a little bit, so you kind of get some of his backstory and maybe give him a little credibility for the uh, or lack, maybe a lack of no credibility. We'll give you some credibility, uh, credibility for kind of some of the future uh, new stuff that we have going on here and some of the topics. Um, I've known Glenn for what do you think? Probably. I mean, it's got, did I meet you before Jess or not? No. no. Okay. No. So like 14 years, probably. Yeah. 14 a, or 15 years. Right. There's been a lot of stories, uh, a lot of stories in that time. And, um, I remember one of the ones that sticks out most to me is not necessarily the, some of the bigger ones, but I distinctly remember going to the junkyard with you and it was zero degrees and we had, we had a reciprocating saw with us. Yes. And we, I don't remember. Do you remember what we were looking for specifically? Or we were, were we just going because we were bored? I think we made two trips total there. The okay. first time we were just going because we're bored. And okay. while we were there, we yeah. spotted something that was wonderful. It was wonderful. And I, I, I bet it was the only one of these in a junkyard ever. Quite likely. It's got to be. And especially, I mean, this was, so this was probably 2005 that we saw this. But this was... Do you remember what color it was? It was white. It was white. It was a white E30 M3 at a pick and pull here yes. in Minnesota. And I could not believe it. I think we went and we saw it. We immediately, didn't we ask him? We, we asked them, can we cut the fender flares off? And they wouldn't let us, right? They no, didn't. They would. Oh, that's yeah. right. They would. But the yeah. batteries were garbage. So that's why we returned with the we, with the Sawzall. Yeah, uh, that's right. But it was right. a battery one and, and it was negative whatever degrees. Yeah. So. They lasted all of about 10 minutes. We didn't like get very far. Full on cutting this thing to bits. Well, we didn't know what to do. We didn't even know what we were going to do with the flares once we come off. But we just, we just knew we needed we to, needed to do it. We needed to just do it. But there was no engine, right? No, the total the thing was completely stripped. It was stripped, except for the steering rack. The steering rack. You took the steering rack. I we got did, the steering rack I? off. Yeah, because I, I had know. an E30 at the time. You did, the gray was... one with the little squirrel hanging off the trailer hitch yes. or whatever it was. Yeah, so that was that that story. I think I told people about that at, at your wedding when I was in your wedding, because it was a, uh, it was it was a hardship for sure. I mean, it was cold. It was it Minnesota was cold. Very cold. It was very very and cold. When I say the batteries died in the reciprocating saw, I mean it was like two or three minutes, and they were just flat dead. So it was. It, it, was it probably serious. didn't help that the blade was dull, probably. And I mean, if it was a good blade. We were blade, poor. Yeah, we were Reciprocating poor. Reciprocating blades are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so um, one of the reasons why I brought, brought Glenn on here is not just because he's one of my oldest friends, but because he's doing this great project called Auto Illustrated, which is, um, from my perspective, is a guy who loves cars. And um, he's, a, he's an engineer by trade, a drafting engineer by trade. And mechanical designer. Mechanical designer. Okay. So he's a mechanical designer, which is cool to begin with, but 
um, he took his talents and he started turning them into um, uh, doing cars, drawing cars. And I remember ever since I knew you, you've always been drawing things. So this is kind of a natural thing for you, yeah? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it started out with, I, I saw some cool illustrations online somewhere. I was like, man, that's really cool. I wish it was a different car or a different color or something. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to make my own so I can hang something up in my office and made some vector illustrations. And I was like, oh, I want to do this other car, too. Like, it, it just got to be a fun, right. it's a hobby, you know, just making a bunch of stuff. I wasn't making any money off of it. I mean, you know, I'm still not. <laughs> but, but so I just started making drawings and more and more. And so now it's it's gotten to the point where I have far too many that I could hang up in my office at any one time. And right. So I started, well, you've been contracted to, I know you did an IROC series, which I posted on social media. That might be one of the favorites that you've done. Yeah. I've, uh, that was a really fun one. And that wasn't for anyone specifically, okay. just myself. I was like, man, I, I love the IROC cars. It's the colors, kind of like all the, the colors, all the colors and then the numbers that go with them. And then there's the, the test cars that nobody ever talks about. And, right. And so I wanted to get a poster with all of them in one place. What do you know about the What do you know about the test cars? I don't know anything about that. Yeah, they had uh, they had the initial cars that were for the race, and they had three spares, and a bunch. They had um, I think they had some engines. You know, there's a there's a really great article in the latest uh, Panorama that is goes into detail, like a lot of detail, more than I can remember off the top of my head. That's okay. But there's uh, there's three extra cars that. that weren't assigned to any one driver what do you know where they where did they go what happened to these three cars are they like gone to the ether or did uh, they... they were used in in some of the races okay and, um so i think the the black one was, was used in the second or third race okay and um so i'm not sure if all of them were used in in the races total but i don't i i've seen one of these in person it was when i first met aaron at flat six and it was over at it was over at his shop and it was at his not the shop he is now but it was the shop next to it, which I think was probably about half the size. It was a much smaller shop. And it was it was when I when I had met um, Aaron, he he, I want, he was moving the shop. And I was like, hey, I'll help. And he's like, why? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I'm helpful. Plus, you've got this IROC here. And I just it's so beautiful. Right. Yeah. And he was doing some work. I think it was the Allison car. It was yeah, the, the, the blue one, the baby blue, whatever yeah. color blue that was, the Allison car. And I know that he's got um, some cool. I think he's got some cool parts around too which uh which is which is really really neat um anyway the one thing that i thought was cool is when you did one of my car yes which was really great it was when it was black i posted that one up too and it was black and it had the little roof rack on it and then you hurt my feelings when you made one that was blue and my car wasn't blue <laughs> yeah because that was the original color yeah yep. right? albert blue was the original color well i was trying to like spur you on to return it to its original color it worked like... it was one of the things i'm like all right I just got to do this. I just got to paint the car. Um, it's not a great paint job, but at least it's blue again, yep. you know, and I would say it's probably 50, 50 on people being like, Oh, why did you paint it? It was awesome. It had character with the red deck lid and stuff like yep. that. Um, <laughs> even the, even the guy I interviewed with, with Bugatti was like, um, I talked to him not too long ago and I was told him I painted it and he's like, well, you kept the red deck lid. Right. And I'm like, no, so it's 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 disappointed some people and a lot of other people are like oh great i love it it looks nice and blue and uh and i think i'm happy with it being blue albert blue is a great color and you know i support the paint job All and right. i support the level of the paint job that you did because it's still a driver right you know, it's not something that you're gonna toss on a trailer and then only take out when it's super sunny out right and then right at the show yeah i don't i don't mind if it if it gets hammered you know i can 
for what I paid for it, I could paint it again tomorrow. Right. <laughs> it's not a, it's not the most wonderful paint job in the world. Um, it, it looks good if you don't actually look at it, which is which is <laughs> which is nice. <laughs> um, so uh, you're working the current project that you're working. On, I haven't seen you do a lot of cars. I've seen you do like stuff for your 914. But yeah. it seems like the majority of your time is taken up with um, the engine that you're building for that car. Yeah. So in, in real life, I have uh, a 911 T motor that I'm building for my 914. And uh, while I have it all apart, um, taking all the parts as what spurred, what, why did you get this flat six engine to begin with? What was the, <laughs> all right, well, I, I built the 914 and you know, the, the inaugural trip with it, I was going down to cars and coffee and we yep. were driving down together so you had your car, I think it was painted at this yeah, point. Yeah, it was. That was the first time and, most uh, people had seen it. And we were driving down together. It was early morning. You were taking it easy because I was in a 914 with <laughs> a 1.9. And and uh, we're going around this cloverleaf, and there was a minivan directly in front of us. And so he was taking all the fun out of the turn. Um, but as we exited the cloverleaf, you punched it and, like, took off around this guy. The sound was amazing. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to do that too. And so I, you know, dropped a gear and then like kicked it and I'm going nowhere. And this dude in the minivan, he doesn't oh no. know anything is going on. He's just he's driving. Just living he's living his whatever. life. He's going to get ice cream. Yeah, I'm he's like, picking up flowers for his daughter's wedding. I've been giving this 914 all of its life, every bean that it has. And, yeah. and I'm getting nowhere by this guy. Finally, like I'm, I'm next to him and I'm pulling away and I'm like I'm gripping the steering wheel and like screaming at the windshield and he's just glances over like, oh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> and so since then, it was like it was for two reasons. He's One, probably pairing his Bluetooth at that very moment. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to the next track. Yep. Uh, so I wanted the sound. I, I love the sound of the flat six, especially when it's carbureted with like some a nice exhaust system and sure and it wanted a little bit more oomph than the engine that was in the 914 so originally it had a 1.7 it was uh, uh fuel injected and so when it was rebuilt at some point in its life it went to a 1.9 with uh dual weber 40s right and so when i rebuilt it i essentially kept the same build right you know new seals and gaskets and check sure. stuff but essentially just cleaned it and rebuilt it. And so it was still, it may, it was maybe a little bit up from what the 1.7 had maybe, but since it's carbureted, probably not, who knows, but it's not fast. Right. So, so we're, so you got the engine from Aaron. So I got, I got the engine from Aaron. Uh, it's a 71 911 T motor and started tearing it apart. It was a complete, um, it wasn't in great shape. It wasn't in great. It was it was an unknown. Right. Like we had no history on it at all. It was a. It was a roll I mean, of the when dice. I say not in great shape, I mean visually. Yeah. It because was, what you've told me is that it's actually in great shape. Right. When, inside, like, it's, inside, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Outside, it looked like it had been you know through a mouse. Like a, a large <laughs> mouse had eaten it and then uh, excreted it somewhere <laughs> along the line. So it was it was dirty. It was, you know, it was an unknown. And so I picked it up from him, been tearing it all apart, cleaning the parts piece by piece. And then I've been 3D modeling everything, um, every little washer and screw and nut and and all, you know, the chain. What's been houses. the hardest so far? What's been the thing that was there anything that was like, ah, I can't get this part right. So I just started doing the case today. Actually. OK, cool. And um, was it because I was like. When are you going to start the case? No, no, it's, it's been, you know, all these things I want to, like, I want to model this stuff before I get it back together. 
and I really, right. really want to get it back together and oh, start okay. like moving forward with the actual build. And uh, well, you should have done the case first because then he could have built the bottom end right. of the motor and then done the other stuff on top. You know, this is this is my thought process. I, I did some of the the big things that were easier to do. So I started with the pistons and the cylinders because those are fairly simple. And then right. when I'm done with those, then like it's a big chunk of the engine like visually right uh same so then with, like, he wanted to put valve covers on it because they say porsche on exactly them. right and yeah. so so i just kind of i started from the cylinders and i moved out and i did the pistons and rods and you know the chain housings and covers and all that stuff and i started on the carbs probably i'm using zenith carbs and so right. i started on those a few weeks ago and I'm, those look great, by the way. They yeah, just getting getting some of the detail in. One side of them's good to go, but the other side's not. But then I was like, I I really need to start on the case because I want to get this engine together. So, but so far that's so the, the goal for over winter to get the engine kind of put together. That's or... the goal. Okay. Yeah, I, I would like to have the engine at some point next year. I'd like to have a car driving by the Euroworks show. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. There's yep. a lot, to, lot, to, lot of stuff to do. Uh, before I get there. But. So when you look at the, have you looked at, have you built a shopping cart on like Pelican parts or anything and looked at the cost of. Oh no, I, I don't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I try not to look at a whole big project in one, you know, take like that because then you it just hurts. get a little. It hurts. Yeah. I'm not rich by any means. Like I can't just go out and buy every single part I need at one point and doing a little piece by piece. And then uh, when I'm done, I won't know how much I spent, but the, the engine will be together. Yeah. So. That's probably the best way to do it. Cause some of the stuff with the with the Porsche motors, it's, it's just nuts. Like a, I can think of, I don't even want to say. I think a gasket kit, just valve cover gaskets, are like seventy five dollars for yeah. decent ones, which is what? Yeah, that's you know, it's it's ridiculous to a lot of people. To other people, I mean, like someone like Aaron has been doing this forever. He's like, yeah, whatever. It's, <laughs> well, he gets everything it costs, and the people are paying him money yeah. to do it, so it's Fair. it's easy enough for a shop to say. And that I think that goes for all marks of of vehicles when you when you have a wholesale account everything looks pretty easy <laughs> but uh i think a lot of it is the the cost of the cars has gone up so high i wish i could see wonder if you can go on the wayback internet machine thing that they have and look at like pelican parts or um oh i don't even stoddard or something one of these other porsche oh. manufacturers and look at their prices and see if they've gone up I bet you know, they have. And I just would. see like if they you can look at the incremental and go to like the Haggerty thing and have car valuation, car valuation, put a graph out and then put a graph out of the parts on for like head studs on a, you know, exhaust studs for an SC motor. And, just and I see bet there's the, someone listening right now, like doing that. I hope as, so. Please. Send, if you are, please send it to me because <laughs> I'd really like to know. Um, anyway, I, I, I really encourage you guys to go take a look at what Glenn's done with Auto Illustrated. Um, it's at Auto Illustrated on Instagram. I think is where you where you post a yeah. lot of your stuff. Really, Instagram is my main jam. Yep, main uh, jam. So I do have a Facebook page, but I mean, I haven't updated there. Yeah, like it's, again, it's this isn't with, a yeah. job. I'm not looking to make money. But you do do contract work. I do do some contract <laughs> do, work. Do. I do do some contract <laughs> work occasionally. Uh, lately, I don't do as much just because of the time constraints that I have. Well, the thing is, is you've gotten so much better at it that it probably takes more time because your level of detail has gotten really, really good. Absolutely. Right. All right. So uh, I asked you before you came in here if you wanted to tell any stories. And uh, you, and I don't I probably some of this stuff will probably sound familiar to me as you go. But I want to kind of hear about the story of you flying out to Los Angeles to pick up your E30 and yes. uh, and drive it back. 
and how you almost died. Yeah. Let's let's hear about almost dying. Near death experiences are always pretty good. <laughs> I, it wasn't like a a immediate near death experience. I would say so. I may have. So you didn't accidentally ex- end up in like Iran or something, right? Like a, a bullet didn't whiz by <laughs> my head or anything um, like that. But I did. I bought an E thirty. Uh, it was an eighty eight three twenty five is, and it was in L A. So it was beautiful condition, and it was and by L A. I mean Los Angeles. Uh, what color was it? It was Inari. No, that was a that's Volkswagen. that's your rabbit. <laughs> Inari silver. <laughs> it was the the salmon silver one. I don't know what the, the it's German like a dark. Word. It's like a graphite metallic. Yeah, it's a dark gray. Okay, um, but it was it was in great shape. It really was. You know, it was you remember what you paid for it? What you remember what you paid for it? I paid thirty two hundred or around there. And this is like ten years ago. Yeah, so it was. I think it was just before the boom, right? Like, before like E30s became like, oh man, that's like, like it probably that car as it was is probably eight or nine thousand dollars now. Oh, it for was sure. really clean. For it was sure. a nice car, and it was even when I got it back, it was probably worth a good two thousand more than what I paid for it. Just because yeah, it was yeah a South California car, California car in Minnesota without a bunch of rust, and so I bought this uh, this E30. Um, talked to this guy, got everything set up. I booked a flight with a friend of mine and we're going to we're going to fly out together, drive it back, make a few pit stops along the way and visit some friends and family. And and uh, and that was yeah, it sounded great. And it was it was over the a long Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, so it was also getting a little late on in the year then it was. And, uh, you know, that might be a little bit of foreshadowing. But. Well, they start closing down the Sonora Pass and the Yellowstone. I mean, they start closing those down in November, like mid-November, yeah. into November. Those roads get closed. And and some of the some of the roads that we encountered were closed. Um, so so we flew out there. And the first problem was the guy's name on his uh, Hotmail email address was not what his actual name was. And mm. so when I got the bank check, it was for some person that didn't actually exist. And uh, I was like, okay, well, we can... He didn't can... exist or you just didn't know of him? Well, his his real name wasn't what I thought it was. Okay. So okay. I, I have a check to somebody that doesn't actually exist. But Fake it's supposed news. to be for this guy. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I had thought ahead. I had my name on there as well. So that, like, if something happened, I could just cash it myself. Um, so we took it to his bank and tried to do that, but they're like, no, we don't do that. And I'm like, okay. So I opened a bank account at Bank of America for a single <laughs> transaction, All right. deposited this check, and then gave him money for this car. Um, it kind of sucked, but it was it was a morning, and we got a little bit of a late start, but it wasn't sure. a big deal. Uh, we visited a friend in L.A., and then we took off. First stop was going to be Las Vegas. Uh, we Never made it there without option. incident, you know, went out hit the casino a little bit not much because we were getting up early the next day um i think i came up came out 50 bucks ahead which was which was good because i needed it later on (laughs) (laughs) so we woke up early the next day in vegas um the guy had mismatched tires front and rear uh the front tires were eagle f1s Oh, good. Which, you know, when they're at a 100% tread in the snow, they're terrible. <laughs> yeah, I bet and they are. these were down to about 20% tread. Okay. And so they, needed, life. they needed to be replaced uh, quite badly. The rears were, I think they were Falcon ZX or something. They're all season kind of semi performance, whatever, but they had good tread on them. Sure. So we weren't concerned. Uh, so went to a discount tire, uh, figure out what they had. They had a couple sizes that might work. The thing was low and, uh, so we had a little bit of trouble trying to find a tire that would fit. 
they found some they're like all right i think these will fit they mounted them up we rolled it out and then it was rubbing on the fenders great all right so let's swap them front to rear so this was like a cup kit you couldn't raise it up this was like springs this was this was springs and struts they're bilsteins and i don't know what kind of springs but anyway so we swapped them front to rear still rubbing on the back all right well put the stock ones back on now we're gonna put uh the inside was like of the tires was bald outside still had a little bit of tread on the f1s <laughs> so we swapped them so the inside had a little bit of tread it had limited slip we're like all right we'll start going and just see what happens yeah young you know a little naive um, but we got on the road anyways and started heading towards denver okay we're about 700 miles into our journey. It's been snowing. It's nasty. It's slushy. There's wind. It's not good for yeah. driving. Yeah. And, and the uh, thing is, is you don't feel like you're going to necessarily have that weather un- until you're in Denver. But there's actually quite a bit of elevation in between Las Vegas and Denver. And oh, that's what absolutely. people don't. I mean, it's up there. That's what we we're running into. Um, so we're in Utah still. And we're like, all right, we need to stop and do something about these tires. We hit up a Walmart <laughs> and we found some low profile tire chains. Oh, like, there you right, go. We'll, we'll try and sneak these on. If it gets bad enough that we need them, we'll pull over and try and get these things on. So we toss them in the trunk and hit the road. There's enough snow that you needed that, that you could use snow chains. Yeah. There was, there was, there was a hard pack on the There ground, was basically. a lot of people chaining up. All the trucks. Okay. Had, all okay. the trucks had chains right on. on. There's a lot of cars that did, um, you know, probably an hour or two down the road we're like all right now we actually we need to put these things on so we pull over get out we got all of our snow stuff on and we're trying to put these chains on i've never put snow chains on before it was i mean the the actual installation process went pretty smoothly but they weren't quite low profile enough to fit under the fenders of the e30 because it was that low right um so all right we can't use the chains toss them back in the (laughs) trunk and uh keep going we had again it was limited slip so we did have that going for us but basically that's about all you sounds like that's all you had going for you that's about it i mean Hmm. we had some driver skill too why don't you just put your co-driver in the trunk well this is the thing he's he was a better driver than me in the in a rear wheel drive so this is the first rear wheel drive car that i had ever yeah he had a lot more experience so he's he's a mustang guy and uh So I don't hold that. Would you have made him. the same? Would you have made the same decision in today's day and age with with all the Mustang stuff that's going on as it was then? Would you be like, eh, well, I don't know. I've seen a lot of Mustang drivers. We just have to tell him to imagine that there's like people in the middle of the road, there you and go. he'll stay there. All right. Uh, but but he's he's a really great driver, and I'll I'll give him credit because credits due because he kept the thing on the road in a lot of instances when I probably would have hiked it off a cliff, and that's where the near death experience comes from because. There was a lot of passes that we were going through where I I wouldn't feel confident in my past self driving those. These days, I, I'd be all right. Um, I've, I've driven enough and enough rear-wheel drive cars that it would be okay. But back then, really, uh, I think I would have died. <laughs> or at least gotten in a large car accident. Well, that's the, I mean, there's a lot of people that I know that have taken road trips from the West Coast in November. They think it's going to be even late October. They're like, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. It's fall. No. No, it's not. It's not fall over there. It may be fall in Minnesota, but nope. Nope. So we did get into Denver. Uh, my sister lives there, and so we stayed uh, two nights in Denver. We went snowboarding while we were there. We got two tires mounted that actually fit, that actually had tread. So it was great. And then we started off from Denver on the next day, trying to get all the way back to Minneapolis in one big sweep. So that's when we came into another big problem. 
So that weekend. Well, at least Nebraska didn't smell so bad in November. In the summer, it smells pretty bad. So at least you had that going for you. Well, I mean, at this point, um, I probably would have opted for a bad smell than what we ran into. Okay. Okay. So uh, we we left Denver. It was great weather. But as we were getting into Nebraska, actually, this massive snowstorm, this winter storm was blowing through the entire, entire country. And it's flat. It's it's flat. The wind was yeah, howling. I and I think it was 40 or 50 mile an hour winds. Just like it was nuts. And so once we got into Nebraska, that's when we found out they had closed down that highway. I don't know oh, what, what that highway is. Uh, but so we got off the highway. We're like, all right, well, what do we do now? Uh, we want to be back in Minneapolis. I got work the next day, et cetera. And so we're like, all right, well, let, how about this? We go straight north from here. Try to go around the <laughs> north side of the storm into South Dakota and then cut over South Dakota into Minnesota. You know, at, at that point we're like, all right, this is a good plan. It's either that, or we sit in this little, you know, car park doing nothing for a day and a half. And right. so we're like, all right, got Let's on the at road. least give it a try. Yeah. It's yeah. all, you know, it's all back roads. It's through uh, Indian reservations and like the only radio station. Now this is before smartphones. Yeah. This is, so we didn't have something like we were, we didn't have a podcast to listen to. We it's one of those have, things where you're sitting there for like a half an hour hitting the seek button. Yes. Kids will never know the struggle of sitting it, there going beep, beep and watching the whole thing scroll all the way through all the numbers, pause for a second and then start scrolling all the way through the numbers again forever. The only radio station was uh, a guy. Again, it was an Indian reservation yep. for a much of the trip. And the only radio station was a guy that was listing all the birthdays that were in the tribe. And he was, he was listing the, the, the people's names and, okay. and it was, you know, they're, they're wonderful names. I'm, yeah. I'm a little native American myself legitimately. So I'm not trying to be disparaging or anything, uh, but it's, it's all like totally names that you'd say that's a native American name. Like yeah, yeah. Lucy, you know, flies with eagles. And stuff. <laughs> and so he's naming these one after another. It made for a little bit of comic relief, which was great in, in that time. Right. Right. We got up into South Dakota. Finally, after, you know, we're driving 20 miles an hour because the wind and the snow is blowing. We can't see out the window. We get into South Dakota and the main highway, I think it's I-90 there is it yeah 80? i think it's oh i think 80 goes through nebraska and i think 90s north okay so i'm sure someone will correct us if we're wrong we, we got to 90 and lo and behold the highway is closed down we're like all right this is wonderful but you know there was a little bit of gap right on the side of the of the sign there's nobody else around like, you know what <laughs> it's just blowing snow we have a low vehicle it's not going to topple over yeah well, that's so like we went around straight. the gate and we got on the highway and we started driving on a closed <laughs> highway you know if something would have happened that there's no responsibility for emergency vehicles to come and get you yeah i mean it's, i mean it's, we did encounter some emergency vehicles which was in enjoyable looking back on it but uh, we got on the highway and again it's blowing snow we have almost zero visibility it's whiteout conditions uh like literally for two seconds, we're looking out the side window to make sure we can see the dashes on the highway and then looking out the forward window to make sure we don't run into a giant snow drift right. and then switching back and forth every two seconds to make sure we're going. Okay. So we're doing like 15 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour. We did this for two hours. Oh my God. At one point oh, I, I gently touched the brake and we heard a huge clunk. Okay. Like, all right. Touch it again. Bam. 
we were like, all right, well, let's pull off. We're both, we're both car guys. We, you know, we work on this stuff. We wrench. So let's pull off. We got all of our snowboarding gear with us. Let's just see what's going on. We get out, you know, we have our goggles, our mittens, you know, snow is just all over our face and everything. And we, we jack the car up on a Widowmaker. We take the wheel off and one of the caliper bolts had backed off and had dropped somewhere between us and 20 miles ago. Oh no. We uh we get some big chunk of wire that we had in the trunk to wire this thing in place and we're like all right this will do we can we can make it uh, put the wheel back on again we didn't have smartphones where we could Google like okay what other bolts on this car fit yeah this right. caliper so we put the wheel back on drop it down and that's when we see the next problem seven and I'm not exaggerating a single bit because I looked back into my old stories on forums and stuff Yeah, to ensure this is correct. Seven South Dakota state troopers were behind us. Oh my God. One of them was outside of his vehicle yelling at us uh, quite loudly that we could hear him over the howling wind. Uh, but <laughs> something about, you know, the highway being closed. Of course we pled the fifth and we're like, we didn't know what I didn't. And they know you're lying. Case. Yeah, they he, know you're lying. He knew sure. we were lying. He thought the car was broken down. So he's trying to get us to go into his vehicle and he was going to take us somewhere. I was like, no, 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 no. We, we just got it working again so we can drive. He's like, okay, then you have to follow me. I'm like, okay, fine. You, <laughs> you fine. look for the lines if on the road. You don't then. arrest us. And you, if you don't give us a ticket, I mean, whatever, let's go. And so he, he starts out, we're going behind him. He takes a hard left through the ditch up the other side. So let's go in <laughs> the direction. Now we're in a low E30. Of course it's, just blowing snow so it's yeah. not like built up into the ditch yet um if we follow suit we make it through we were surprised but it worked <laughs> he takes us back 20 miles to the exact exit that we got on the highway oh, no. <laughs> and we didn't see this but on the other side of the highway uh from where we were there's a big motel there's restaurants oh, but you couldn't see it shopping centers we couldn't see anything <laughs> If he you had holds, known that was there, would you have just been like, oh, we're just going to stay? We probably would have yeah. at least, yeah, it, it examined that opportunity. He uh, he made us stay the night there, at which point we got on to the Google and we discovered that a lug bolt fits the caliper. Oh, there you go. So we fixed that the next morning and we set out with uh, a convoy of other people that were stranded, uh, taking back roads all the way back to Minnesota. That's awesome. Well, I don't know if I'd ever heard that entire story. That's fantastic. It was it was it was an event for sure. So the, the state trooper was pissed. He was uh he was very pissed, I would say. But he didn't give us a ticket, so he couldn't have been that pissed. He was probably just like, You guys are so stupid, you could have been dead. Which is true. Very much true. There's, well, maybe not dead, but Well, I mean, there's a couple overpasses where like we we exited at one point when we were in South Dakota. We exited the closed highway onto the uh, crossroad. And uh, the entire underside of the overpass was full with snow all yeah. the way up to the roof of the, the bridge. That, wow. And we're like, all right, I guess we're not going that way. Got back on the highway. All right. Well, that's well, I'm glad you're here, mainly because we can still do this podcast because you're not dead. Yes. All right. I've got a story of Glenn and I, and this is our most notorious story. And I went back and I found I found it on the Euroworks forum and I took a look and the pictures are still there nice. of me being beat up, basically. Well, not beat up, but oh, cat scratch. the cat scratches <laughs> from this guy. So um, I don't road rage anymore. Like, it, well, I did. I had some road rage incidents since then where I rammed a guy with my Ford Explorer. It was on one of those things where you, you merge in and it's metered. 
and you go, you go, then you go, and then you go. And I went on my turn, and this other guy went too. He went. Mm. He just selfishly went with Kill me. Mm. And the, but the thing is, is he didn't like fall in behind me. He he decided that he was just going to pace me. And we got closer to where it merges to one, and merges to one, and merges to one, and he didn't move. So. <laughs> So I just went, okay. And I went a little bit to the right until my truck was touching his. And then I floored it and just went, just dragged my truck all down the side of this guy's truck. And I ended up pulling over and the police came and stuff. It was a whole thing. But that instance, that was the last time I ever had any road rage whatsoever. But um, the story that I want to tell you guys is uh, I had a 1980 Caddy, which is an early Westie. And I think they're a 1.5 diesel in the early Westie caddies. At least I think that one was. This, Maybe it was. this is a Volkswagen pickup. Yeah, sorry. For anybody that doesn't know what a caddy is, it's a Volkswagen Rabbit pickup truck, which are really small. They're really light. They don't, they don't, you know, they don't really haul anything. It's like a truck that you could use to maybe pick up some water softener salt or something. They're basically useless as a truck, yeah. other than like, you know, handyman stuff. Yeah, hay bales. Maybe. Hay bales, whatever. A couple of them. Yeah, a couple. Um, I've seen guys put motorcycles in the back and the things are just slammed. Yeah. They have like two leaf springs. They're just, they're not made to actually be a truck. I'm not even sure what they were thinking with that thing, but um, I love them. They're, they're awesome. But this particular one was kind of a piece of shit. And I don't know why I bought it, but I bought it and I slammed, slammed it to the ground. Thing was, and I had Dodge Omni wheels on it. These little pepper pot looking wheels. They looked like the top of like a pepper or salt shaker. And the thing was just slammed. It was a, it was a truck that had been welded together. And I didn't know this till quite some time after I'd had the truck, but it, it had a seam right, right behind the rear window and it had been welded together and it was rusty and it had a red interior and the steering wheel had boiled and it looked like it had leprosy. So your one truck was two trucks. At it was one point. Yeah. It was a white one and a blue one. Nice. And then it had been painted this copper gold. Now it was like flat, you know, yeah. it was just no paint. And the steering wheel looked like it had leprosy. It was just all boiled. It just looked, and the dash basically was like the San Andreas fault, just cracked, just yes. pulled. I mean, the thing was, the seats were torn. And then I had a big, where did the, do you remember where the poodle thing came from? I had a big poodle of doom sticker on the back, on the back window. It said poodle of doom. I do. But I, but I don't remember where that came I from. I remember. Um, it was, okay, so we were on Volkswagen forums, a big right. nationwide. Can we say the name? Yeah. I don't okay. Care. It was VW Vortex. They're so gone we were, anyway. We were both in Nobody the. cares. <laughs> Oh, they're still around. Anyways, yeah, okay. uh, we're, we're both in the Mark One forums, and the moderators, for some reason, they hated they everything hated well, about I was you. Well, I was kind of an asshole. Well, I'm I kind was. of isn't a little bit of an understatement. Yeah, I was an asshole. They hated me. Um, but anyways, at, at some point, we got to a thing where we would just post a picture of a poodle. And the moderators would lock the thread down and right. ban people away. Just because of the picture of the poodle. Just because of poodles. And so that, it was very... Really... The poodle represented revolution. Yes. And so <laughs> you had a giant decal. I picked something that was as innocuous as I could. A poodle, I thought. A poodle. Yeah. Rabid poodle. It was a rabid yeah, it poodle. Was. It, did, it was baring its teeth. With the text, Poodle of Doom. Yeah. Uh, the sticker was pink. And it was filling the entire back window of your truck. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I think it was yellow. Was it? Yeah, it was yellow. Okay. Um, anyway, so it had this huge sticker on the back. Anyway, so we, Glenn and I are on our way to the junkyard to grab some parts from the U-Pole yard. And I look to my, I'm pulling out of a gas station. I look to my left. I'm fine. I look to the right. No problem. There's a car, a van, a white van. And it's pretty far away. It's cresting over the overpass. And I may be, 
25, 30, 40 yards past where I would ever think that I would even need to wait for him. So I turn out and I floor it. And when you do that with a rabbit pickup truck, it definitely puts out a bunch of smoke when it's a diesel. So I basically crop dusted this guy and it made him furious. These days we would call it rolling coal. I was rolling coal because I had turned the fuel screw up, right? So I right. so it was so I was rolling coal on this guy and he did not like it. He drove right up on me. He pulled up next to me and like feigned hitting me, like moving into me and he pulled up in front of me and I can't do anything. I can't, I mean, I can stop fast, but that's it. I mean, I can't out accelerate this guy or no evasive maneuvers. So I just kind of have to just drive i mean even the stop fast part is a little bit of a reach the brakes weren't <laughs> anything to write home about no no truck. well you can stop a lot faster than you can go that's for sure true so we ended up taking i'm like i'll just turn here so we ended up turning on this road that was not anywhere where we needed to go the guy follows us turning another road guy follows us and he's like on our butt just like driving right on us and and it was to the point where it was like okay this is getting a little sketchy a little weird it was probably seven or eight miles you think yeah, I would. yeah, probably seven or eight miles of this happening. So I pull up to a stop sign and I stop. And this guy pulls in front, stops right in front of me like if he was a cop. Like he's, he's like pulling in front of me. Hey, you step out of the car. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. And he <laughs> but he gets out of his van. And the, like I said, the truck was slammed. All right. So I had my window down. It was summer. He walks up to the truck, leans in grabs me by the neck and starts trying to punch me yeah glenn gets out <laughs> i'm gets, running around behind this guy because yeah, i'm like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna take him off from behind and i mean the guy i thought i mean he was violent he was very very enraged absolutely very violent and yelling i don't remember what he was yelling about like what do you think you are blah blah blah. Yeah, he was probably dealing with something on there his was own, there was know, something going, going on going because on. nothing we did was and i can i can say this honestly Nothing we did was we did nothing. We didn't do anything to this guy. This was this. unprovoked. Oh, so, besides the rolling coal. But that's but not my apart fault. Apart from that, I mean, there's nothing else. Maybe the guy had like a repressed memory where you know his mom oh. had beaten him while a, a, a truck drove by, and, and he looked out the window. His dad was a coal miner. His dad was a coal miner. Died in the yeah, mine. Died in the mine. Oh. That's what it was. Died in the mine, and they they went to the funeral, and uh, little baby Johnny cried because his dad, you know, died in the mine. And then, you know, he saw this guy rolling coal and something just snapped and he wasn't himself anymore. And he was out of his own. He body. definitely snapped. That's for sure. Yeah, so he was, something. he was, had his arms all over you. I ripped this guy off of you. And it, when you look at the pictures, I had like grab marks all over my neck yeah. and I had my seatbelt on. So I couldn't, I couldn't really get out because he's reaching in the window, this big guy and screaming at me, reaching in. I didn't even know that Glenn had gotten out. Like, I didn't know because I was trying to, like, push this guy off or whatever. I was trying to grab his shirt and actually pull him farther into the truck yep. so that he couldn't hit me or do anything. So I yep. pulled him down into the truck, which he's like, it's at his belt buckle. Basically, <laughs> the thing is so low. And uh, Glenn pulls him off me and I start looking around the truck. I'm like, I got to find I'm I'm not a big dude. I'm not intimidating. This dude was a an older guy, which as at my young age. You know, I just imagine that guy could probably beat me up. Who knows? Plus, he's going psychotic on something. So I'm like, what can I find in my car or in the truck that I can hit this guy with? I'm like a tire iron or a wrench or something. And all I could find was a can of starting fluid, ether. Mm. I'm like, eh? it says do not get in ice yeah. right on the can. 
do not spray an eyes. If spray an eyes, wash repeatedly for an hour. Seek medical help. Right? It says right on the can with the little X over the eyes, like the little yes. X, like do not put this in your eyes. So I'm like, oh, that'll work. So I grab it. And were you, I don't remember what you were doing. I actually don't know. When you pulled him off me, what were you? What so was, I pulled him off you and I was yelling at him to just get back in his van and drive away. I was like, just go away, man. And he had nothing to do with it. He wasn't listening to a word I was saying because he was completely affixed on you and like right. doing something to you. So by the time like you got out of the vehicle, he was, uh, he was always facing you. Right. That guy's like, oh, man, that dude was crazy. Yeah. So I, I step out of the truck and I, I don't think I say anything. Do I? He lunged at you when you stepped out of the truck. He started like running at you. And that's when you pulled out this can of <laughs> can, of, can of ether. And I just sprayed him in the face. Just blasted. Just him. blasted him in the face with the ether, the starting fluid. And he just stopped dead. I mean, it was like oh. it was. I can't imagine that it felt very good. And to be in his shoes at that moment, begin totally enraged and then have starting fluid sprayed directly in your face. <laughs> the dude must have been breathing like, <sighs> I mean, he must yeah, have been. He was he was like, you know, scratching at his face, trying to get like his glasses off. Yeah, trying he to get, get up his glasses and up falling on the ground. And I imagine he was breathing it in because he was so agitated that he was breathing and breathing. And he's scratching at his glasses and and he starts to walk. And I and I look and the sliding door of his van is open. The sliding door of this guy's van, and I shit you not, I hear his kids go, Daddy, Daddy, what are you doing? Daddy, stop. And I'm like, are you yeah. fucking kidding me? This dude is doing this with his kids in the car. You've got to be joking. This did not, this is not happening. It was completely out of this world. His it kids was, were probably, and I'm I'm going to guesstimate that they were 9 and 13 years old. Yeah, they two were Two kids, and they were visibly shaken by what was going on of course on. they were i mean that was ridiculous and anyway so the guy looks he starts like stumbling back to the car and he's like oh where's my glasses where's my glasses and i look on the ground and right in front of me are this guy's glasses and i just look at him looking at me looking at him looking at me and i just stomped on his just crunch just raised my foot up and i stomped on his glasses as hard as i could and just twisted my foot right into the right into the gravel all right it was just it, I just was, it was the insult that, that was adding to the injury that he Oh, man. Had. Not only could he not see, but he couldn't see until he went to see an optometrist later. And then maybe like two hours after lens crafters, then he could see again. Yeah. But maybe this guy, I don't know. I mean, maybe his, his glasses had shielded his eyes a little bit because he did get in his vehicle and he did, he did drive, drive away. away. Um, then, so maybe it wasn't as bad as we're making it out to be, but. I've, I don't know. I've gotten some, just some, uh vapors of ether or anything in my face and it's bad so at this point we're in the middle of this intersection uh -huh. and we're surrounded by like all these people had you don't even you know, know because when your adrenaline is going you're focused on what's going on uh -huh. so once it settled down i mean once it settled down you know this lady's on the phone with the police yeah. calling out plate numbers this other guy is yelling at me to you know leave this guy other guy alone i'm like i'm trying to get him off my friend here dude and like I'm, yeah and uh and we look like the young punks and he's like an older dude. Right. We're in so we're, sure, yeah. we're in our junkyard clothes. We're all grungy. We're in this beat up little truck with a oh, poodle man. on the back. And <laughs> and uh and so the guy gets in his van and just Dri drives, drives away. away. Never like, saw him right, again. We go the other direction. The, well the cops showed up and they were like, What happened? We told them but it was just Oh, they pulled just, us over down the road. Is that what it was? So we 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 got in the car, we're like, All right, well, he's gone and we're going the other direction. So I guess case closed. And yeah. 
couple miles down the road, maybe tops, maybe it's probably even within eyesight of where we left. Cops came screaming in behind us and they were really nice to us. They were. And, you know, they gave us all the benefit. Well, of the I had guy. all this stuff all over my neck of the guy <laughs> like attacking me anyway. Yeah. So since that and then since the other thing with the guy in the Saturn where I <laughs> destroyed his car with my truck. And I, I'm ashamed of this, guys. Don't don't think I'm not. It was it was a it was a moment of weakness for me that felt really really good. <laughs> if you've ever wanted, if you've ever been in your car and been like that motherfucker, I just want to ram that motherfucker right now. And, it, it but then you don't. Uh, if any of you listening ever find yourself in such a situation, I would highly advise you not to just go the other way. Like that's guy, what I do. The now. guy could have had you know a weapon or yep, something. Exactly. And it. You and never really know and. You, you just you don't know you don't but again this imagine is us. if the guy i ran into was the guy in that van yeah i mean you never know what you're getting into don't do it anyways that's a that's a couple of stories from uh from glenn and i's past that maybe are some some teachable moments teachable of moments. don't drive past the barricade in a blizzard and no, uh, don't ever do and that. don't don't road rage at people it's just not worth it not worth it all right um I want to talk a little bit about some news. I'm going to skip uh, I'm going to skip that. I'll talk about the LS stuff, LS stuff on another episode. So you'll have to stay tuned for that. Um, but uh, let's go on to let's talk a little bit of, let's talk a little bit of Uber. Um, so I saw an article on Jalopnik come up and it said uh, Uber has bought 24,000 Volvos, uh, self-driving Volvos to uh, for to have self-driving for the like, drive people around their cars. Get a call up, get an Uber. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, totally oh, trust that. Yeah. Well, th- there was one of the Uber in the Volvos ran a red light and they had it on know. film. The thing ran a red light and almost hit a pedestrian. Oh. I-, I saw a picture of that. That was, that was something else. But besides that, let me let me just read a little bit from this and then we'll uh, then we'll go and delve a little bit deeper to some of the other stuff I I found. It reads as follows. And this is hat tip to uh, I got all this stuff from Bloomberg and Jalopnik. Um, Uber has agreed to buy 24,000 sport utility vehicles from Volvo cars to form a fleet of driverless autos a signal that the company remains committed to autonomous cars under newly appointed chief executive officer, Dara Wadakarsha, whatever her name is. The XC90S priced from 46.9 at US dealers will be delivered from 2019 to 2021 in the first commercial purchase by a ride hailing provider. San Francisco-based Uber will add its own sensors and software to permit pilotless driving. They predict a level four automation system. Now, I looked up what the automation system levels were, and I can kind of give you guys an idea. So they they measure it from zero to five. Five being, I think that's kind of the, the future of it, right? I mean, there's no humans at all. There's there's no no human interaction needed whatsoever. There's no steering wheel. I imagine that's what five is. Um, zero uh, is nobody. One and two, there's a human fallback. Um in monitoring of the driving driving environment and performance driving or emergency driving. And three, it's only human in an emergency. And four and five is total automation. Now, in March, uh, data leaks showed that Uber's self-driving car project is a long way from becoming a reality. So one particularly alarming statistic was that in the week that ended March 8th, the cars traveled only 0.8 miles on average between each time a human driver had to take control. Now, we don't know if that was like an emergency situation or if it just maybe the map was wrong and they had to turn or program something. But still, that leaves them at a level two. So presuming that these Volvos are supposed to be a level four, it just doesn't seem like they're that close to that. You know, there's a lot of development, though, that's continually going on with any of this stuff. So and this is like 
six months ago? Well, yeah. I don't know, man. Six months is a let me let me keep going and then I'll explain why I don't think that that's actually going to happen. Um, in order to achieve a significant control of the market, Uber spends like crazy to subsidize the cost of rides, pushing down the price for passengers. The company reined in driver subsidies throughout 2017, but even still it recorded a $645 million loss in the second quarter, losing market share to Lyft and Waymo. Um, one of the reasons why they lost all this market share and this kind of this touches why I don't think that they're actually going to be able to do this is some of the stuff that they're going to be able to, that they've been responsible for committing in the PR world, right? I mean, right. and some of the people that they've lost in their company. So these are some of the PR disasters for Uber in the last, this is just in the last year. Um, I didn't, I only went through like uh, June. I just was like, okay, that's enough. I don't need to, yeah. I don't need to bury these guys anymore. So I didn't find anything else. A um, couple of big ones and then some not so big ones, but they're still pretty bad. They made an Uber. They made the Uber app invisible to iOS on iPhones, so Apple would not find out that Uber had been secretly identifying and target, targeting and tagging iPhones even after its app had been deleted and the devices erased. So not only is the wow. app de deleted, but the device is completely erased. This is a fraud detection maneuver that violated Apple's privacy guidelines. So they left a fingerprint on your phone even after you wiped your phone. So I don't know if they were doing that to find out where people are going or to find out if they were using Lyft or Waymo or some other thing. But I mean, that's just a gross violation of people's privacy. The New York Times reported that employees did cocaine during a company retreat and a manager had to be fired after groping multiple women. And this is back in the spring. Okay. I think that if this happened now in today's climate with all the you know sexual stuff that's going on, yeah. it'd be a shitstorm. Um, there's a secret software program called Hell used by Uber, used to track which drivers were working for both Lyft and Uber. Ooh. So they, in their own app, they were tracking to find out who they were all working for. It's really shrewd, but I don't know if they really needed to call the app hell. Yeah, I mean, why it, did it they might call be the a little hell? bit of a stretch there. I don't even understand why they did that. Um, there's been a myriad of resignations. So this is kind of, this is the main reason I think that they're not going to be able to reach um, the level four that they say they're going to is because you can't have all this stuff happen in the last, all these people resign in the last six months and still be able to meet uh, the goals of that level four with the Volvos. Um, the people that have resigned head of maps, senior vice president of engineering, vice president of product growth, head of the AI lab, head of self driving car group, and a bunch of engineers have all resigned. So this is all in, the, in this year. And that's, that's a huge hit to so take. People are jumping ship. They see something's coming they see something's coming or they don't like the work environment, but whatever the case may be, it's not good for the consumer um, at all. Um, and the big one was Uber's head of self-driving cars. I'm assuming that's one of the guys that resigned. Yeah, he's resigned. This is probably why Uber's head of self-driving cars is accused in, in a federal lawsuit of having stolen thousands of secret documents from Google, from their Waymo project. It's going to be a huge high profile mm. case. And what's kind of funny is Google, Google is an Uber investor. Really? So yeah, they're an investor in Uber and they, they stole a bunch of their stuff for Waymo. Now I'd never heard of Waymo before. Yeah, I haven't either. So So I, I didn't I didn't know what Waymo was. I just because probably because part of my brain is tuned tuned out to all this self-driving car nonsense. But uh uh it says here just this is kind of to give you a perspective on where Uber is compared to this Waymo thing. Waymo is Google's self-driving car that they have. Um Waymo has officially announced their cars are now fully autonomous and will soon be providing transportation as part of a new ride hailing service set to launch very soon. To date, Waymo vehicles have been operating on public roads with a test driver at the wheel. 
Now in an area of Phoenix, Metro Region, a subset of our fleet will operate in fully autonomous mode with Waymo as the sole driver. Over time, we'll cover a region that's larger than the size of Greater London, and we'll add more vehicles as we go. And these are Chrysler Pacifica minivans, which, by the way, look better than the Ubers. Um, you look at the sensor system on top of the Uber. I should have had a picture, but it, it looks bad. It almost looks like it's from like a sci-fi film from the 70s, what they thought that okay. self-driving cars would look like. You can see all the sensors and all the cameras, and the, and the Waymo one is really sleek, and it looks really good. And I think that the type of people that are going to be using these a lot, I think that might matter to them. So these Volvos that are self-driving, yep. is that all technology developed by Volvo? Or no, that... these sensors are Uber's sensors. Okay, so they so buy the cars. And these factory they... cars that yep. are normal, and then yep. they put all this other stuff on them. Right. Okay. Yep. So it's it's their sensors, their equipment, and that's why I think that this is just not going to happen. So. Yeah, I guess I would agree with you. Uh, you know, previous to this, I had thought that Volvo was developing all that stuff. You know, they did the... The automatic braking system with some some things. And I'm sure like, this is kind of partnership with Volvo. It's got to be right. I mean, yeah, they've got to be that many vehicles. I'm, I'm sure that there's but there's not an exclusivity. So there's no exclusivity contract with Volvo. So they can do it with anybody else that they want to. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I'm not really sure what's going on with the self-driving car thing. I think that at some point that's what everybody's going to be doing. You know, if I was going, you know, just to get groceries or something like that, and I or if it was during rush hour, if I let's say I had to drive. I live in the middle of nowhere, and the the road to get to my house is terrible. Now, if I had to drive that every day in rush hour, I would hate it. I would hate driving. I would not want to do it. It would cost me a ton of money, and it would be, at some point, you're going to get in an accident driving that many hours every day over a period of time. And when I think about my life, I don't want to spend a large majority of my life in a car. So I would maybe take the time to take a self-driving car. You could work in the car. You could get work done. You could interact with your family. There's a lot of things you could do in a car when you're not driving. I would agree with that, but I feel like you're, you think that at some point everyone's going to be forced to have one of these self-driving cars. There'll be no option for a person to have their own vehicle to explore, to do whatever they want. And I think that's where I would differ because I feel like that's, that's part of the American dream is to be able to have the freedom to like just hit the road and go somewhere go on a day trip, a weekend trip or something, you know, take your, your significant other and some bags and just have a good time. And if, if it gets to the point where they're like, all right, everyone, you have two choices. You can either have self-driving cars only, or right. you can have self-driving cars and potentially just keep your own car to do your own stuff with. I think everyone's going to choose that second option. I don't think anyone outside of a few you know, people here and there are going to choose only self-driving cars. I don't think it's going to be that black and white. They having a choice like that. I think, I think this is going to be like this. It's going to be a very slow, slippery slope. Yeah. I think it's going to, our culture today is different than the culture that we're going to have 20, 30 years from now. So I think what you're going to see is you're going to see like this slow bleed. So you're, first you're going to see stuff like this, like the Waymo and the Uber and it's, it's cool and it's hip. And then pretty soon people are going to be like, I don't want to drive to work. And then pretty soon you're going to see Waymo business. And then you're going to have uh, Wells Fargo is going to have an account with Waymo and they're going to have something where they, all their employees are picked up and brought to work. And then as you see that happen, you're going to see the American dream of motoring die. I think slowly, but surely imagine growing up in a household where dad doesn't drive a car Monday to Friday. All his groceries are delivered via Amazon. 
He doesn't have to go anywhere. He doesn't have to shop because everything just shows up. He goes to work in a car that picks him up every day. Little Johnny doesn't go, oh, dad, I love your whatever car it is because he might not even have one anymore because it's just and I'm not saying for everyone, but I think for the majority of people that live in a metropolitan area, that's going to be a reality. I don't think it's I don't think it's escapable. I don't know. I think I mean, culture seems to come full circle every once in a while. Like, I mean, how many people are wearing Ray-Bans these days versus 10 years ago? I mean, I'm looking at one right now. And so so there's going to be people like even if this is, a, this is a style, though. I'm talking about a function of society. And I'm talking about an EPA and a Department of Transportation that is obsessed with emissions and safety. They're absolutely obsessed with it. With Look what they've done with cafe standards and safety standards. They are absolutely obsessed. Look what they did with Cars for Clunkers. Mm-hmm. You know, all these programs, they're, they're obsessed with this is what they want to happen. What I'm predicting is going to happen. It's their ideal. So I think it's going to be some version of that. I think it's, it, people want it too bad. Whether the populace wants it or not, I'm not sure it matters. I mean, a lot depends, too, on who the populace votes for. You know, those are the, the people that are making the rules are, you know, a populace in and of themselves. Sure. And they're voted for. And so I guess that's another a token for all you listeners. Get out and vote. <laughs> yeah, get out and vote. <laughs> I wonder if I should call my senator and ask him how he feels about this. I mean, you, you know, could. this topic specifically. Maybe we should find out. I don't know that anybody... I'm going to look and see if that information is out there and see where the senators and the House of Representatives and the states and the federal legislature, where they stand on the self-driving cars thing, because there's not much regulation at all for any of this. Right. I mean, we're going to have to start seeing a standard of safety with these cars because there's no human interaction. We're just trusting programmers to program these cars. So I think at some point we're going to have to figure out a standard. So maybe we should start figuring Maybe that. so okay well that's 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 <laughs> that's enough politics for me on this yeah. if anybody wants to talk politics with me they know where to find me um do you watch formula one i don't okay uh, you know i i have seen a little bit here and there i don't watch it enough to be able to say anything about it other than it's cool it, 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 <laughs> there's a lot of money and there's a lot of technology which is the technology is kind of what draws me in a little bit because it's it's always evolving at some point right well i wanted to just touch on this before it's old news anyway um this is a hat tip to road and track and this is sad um an american racing institution will come to an end this weekend at the nbc sports network studio in connecticut it's the cable channel's final formula one broadcast before espn takes over in 2018 And with the move, Sunday's Abu Dhabi Grand Prix will signal the end of having a dedicated panel of experts and pit reporters serving an American audience. Based on the information shared by ESPN, USF1 fans will lose the studio experience altogether as new UK-based broadcast team is assembled, one that's unaffiliated with the beloved British Sky Sports F1 group, to deliver a generic international feed in its place. NBC Sports Network, NBCSNs in in-depth pre there's a lot of hyphens in this. this is the most hyphens i think i've ever seen in an article post-race shows filled with interviews and analysis are often expected to be lost after lee diffie david hobbs and steve matchett and will buxton sign off from abu dhabi this weekend um now i love david hobbs i don't know if you looked up david hobbs when i when i told you to kind of look at some of this stuff but david hobbs is funny he's an old race car driver he's got a lot of experience and in celebration of him, I wish I could, you know, I looked around the internet for finding some quotes of some funny stuff that this guy said, but he says the the funniest stuff when guys are out on track and it really makes what in the last, not this season, but a lot of the previous years were, were boring. 
you know, the cars weren't that competitive. They were, everybody was just finishing in the same places. But so it, it made it a little more tolerable. But some of the things that um, David Hobbs said that I loved, um, he would say kablammy a lot. So he would say kablammy when somebody's engine blew up. And the, the ratio of how loud he said kablammy was how, how, how much the engine exploded. He also said that the drivers had rather large appendages. Um, as in driver X must have a rather large appendage to make a pass in that turn. Um, another thing he always said was a big kerfluffle. If there's always a big kerfluffle on the, on the track. And um, honestly, it's uh, to me, it's, it's really sad. If ESPN sucks. I, I really don't like almost anything that ESPN does. They, they ruin, they ruin football. They ruin most stuff. They talk about politics too much. And uh it's just been kind of a bummer to watch and ESPN's having trouble right now. So I don't know if this is something of them trying to pick up more international audience, but um, once one of my buddies did mention that F1 is going to be streaming now. So maybe we'll get lucky and uh, David Hobbs and Lee Diffie and Steve Matchett and Buxton will, will sign on to um, F1 streaming service. So yeah, I guess that's, that's all we have for news. Um, in lieu of doing some listener questions today, I'm going to skip that and I'm going to talk about one of our sponsors. Um, we had them last episode too. It's 1552. Uh, great company, um, really personal guys, make some great wheels. They've been around a really long time, some really classic looking designs. Um, but one aspect of 1552 I want to talk about is I bought the wheels for my golf sport wagon and I've yes. got a set of those wheels on my golf sport wagon, right. but, uh, um, I promised some of the guys in the live stream that I did that I would let them know what wheels I got for the 911 and uh they are 1552 Outlaws. Oh. So I did pick up it's you the one with the Outlaws. I did. I went with the Outlaws. It's the it's not the the Fook looking one. Okay. It's the one that looks like a 917 wheel with the oh. center lock. So I got those. I'm going to keep the color a secret. Okay. So I can at least have something that I that I bring out for everybody. Yellow. That's a they're yellow. <laughs> yes, bright yellow. Uh pin with pinstripes. Pinstripes. Yeah, with nice. pin, primrose yellow with with pinstripes. So um, anyway, guys, I really appreciate you having you on. Um, Glenn, I really appreciate you coming in and telling us some good stories. Hey, thanks for having and, me. And uh, make sure you guys check him out at Auto Illustrated and uh, give us a follow at Overcrest Podcast on all your favorite social media outlets. Um, anything else for us, Glenn? I got nothing. All right. Thanks for having me. All right, man. I really appreciate everybody sticking with us. Please give us a review on iTunes. Give us five stars if you like what you heard. Maybe uh, give us a little blurb there. We really appreciate it. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you later this week.